Hello and welcome to Voice Notes, the new writing podcast. The podcast where each week we bring you a new exciting piece of writing right to your ears. Thanks so much for tuning in. And today's episode, we are featuring a piece written by me, Marcus Bateson. The piece is called Where Things Used To Be and I also perform it. So boil a kettle, make some tea or coffee, find the comfiest chair in the house and settle in for today's episode of Voice Notes, the new writing podcast. I'm not sure if it's right to call this home anymore. This valley. This house with V-luxes and underfloor heating. It feels different. Changed. Or I do. I can't seem to remember where to put things. The Le Creuset pans are now in the drawer where the tea towels used to be. And the drawer of miscellaneous objects, the top drawer where you could find everything from paper clips to old iPhones and IKEA manuals, is still full of random things, but it's neat now. I open it expecting the usual lucky dip, but it's organised? Not a single cent or pen out of place. The computer table, once piled high with school notes and old books, has been thrown out and replaced by a tasteful palm and a faux leather armchair. There's a bookshelf now, but it's small and full of unopened coffee table reads like Great Garden Designs. I wonder where all the plants went. The banana plants, the coffees, the aloe vera, all the southern light and modern insulation used to make a great greenhouse. I used to call this area under the vaulted ceiling our jungle. It was a colourful entanglement of orchids and overhanging rubber leaves, ornamented with olive branches and fruiting chilies. Now, a single fig tree remains, draped in plastic fairy lights. The windowsills are painted white, and are home to stacked Jamie Oliver cookbooks and an unlit scented candle with the word Earth stylishly printed on it. No other plants remain. The sun is pouring through the square windows. I stand in cotton shorts alone for a moment and gaze out at the river valley, acres of featureless fields for grazing dairy cattle, occasional and sparse hedgerows to mark property boundaries. And there's little else to say. I can hear the hum of the strimmer in the field below as my father clears grasses and out-of-place buttercups. He has severed straight lines all across the garden. Everything grows in boxes and ordered shapes now. I bring my coffee outside to breathe in the country air. A blackbird lands on the new stone patio by the outdoor table. It twitches its head to see me better. I've been gone a long while, haven't I? There used to be chamomile daisies and clover and dock here, and insects like flies. I don't see a single wasp, thank God, my mum says, as she passes me in her Zara sundress. Does the blackbird wonder if I've come to bring it all back? I know how proud my father is of the work he has done. He has finally been able to create a garden he is proud of. He has planned this, saved for it, organised the detail meticulously. He has worked hard to make this a reality, to form his own small patch of Eden. He would phone me every weekend, 
while I was in university to update me on each stone delivery or bulb planting. He wants me to be proud of it too. And what can I say? I know that it looks like people think a garden should. It looks like something you'd point at on Pinterest and admire. And there are perfect lines of trees. And there are deliberate rows of tulips and pansies. There are sitting spots and eating spots, shaded spots and sunny spots. There is even a little bird table with scattered sunflower seeds. If I took a photo and put it on my Instagram, friends in cities like Dublin and London would send love hearts and words like gorgeous and stunning. They would think the countryside was beautiful and alive. So why do I feel so sad about it? I tell my mum I'm heading out for a cycle. She says she's cooking up some halloumi and prawns and making a tomato salad for lunch. When I stay, I remind her I'm vegan and she scowls. How inconvenient. I'll get lunch in town. Don't worry about me. She hands me 20 euro. Tells me to get some vegan things, tofu or whatever, like I eat nothing else. I start to cycle along our small tarmac boreen. Flowering grass still lines the middle of the track, and I'm relieved that some things are still where they used to be. The sun burns hot against the rusted cowsheds and farmers' gates while I push heavily past steep views of the Munster peaks. My lungs give out at the hills which tease me as they rise and fall endlessly like the sea. I suppose I'm used to a more level terrain. I find myself cursing these very roads and quickly tiring of their undulating beauty. For a moment, I wish they had been built flatter, more like a town, as if the entire landscape should be uniformed for my benefit. I'd forgotten how different some roads could be. It's a well-seasoned cyclist who smiles on slopes like this, and although the pastoral sight of summer crops in the distant Protestant church tower is an idyll in sunshine, I can't seem to find my gratitude. Instead, I am impatient with the small flecks of mud which stain my chinos. Already my shoes look duller, but I carry on. My back is damp when I arrive at the roundabout on the edge of the town. There is a queue of sun-creamed beachgoers pouring out of the supermarket like sparkling wine, boots full of picnic ingredients, ice creams and plastic spades, children delighted with the excess and fun. I circle around towards the multicoloured houses named after Smarties and weave between the backed-up queue of Dublin Reg SUVs that haven't learned not to drive down the main street in July. I pass them with smugness. They could be there for half an hour. There's a queue for the new coffee shop stretching way past Reggie's bike shop towards the dentist office, old fellas and young couples alike drinking flat whites and exchanging tans. I don't remember things being like this. When I left, everyone drank tea. A few shops down is a German bakery with a chalk sign on the street that promises sourdough sandwiches and patisserie and more coffee. I realise that's where the old sweet shop used to be, Mrs Crowley's, where I'd spend the euro from my dad every Friday after primary school. You used to be able to get quite a lot of for that. Marshmallows, cola bottles, a chocolate bar. The old woman who worked there used to tell us that we were lucky to live in the friendliest town in the entire world. I heard that when she died she was in her 90s and had never travelled further than Bantry to visit her son. That's how things used to be, people say. I lock my bike by the credit union and suddenly feel paranoid for having done so. I unlock it again and tuck the key into my pocket. I'm not in Dublin anymore. 
Down the cobbled alley to my left, I can hear Spanish guitar and recognize the croaky voice of Felix. An artist from Brittany, he used to sell calendars with brightly colored paintings of West Cork street corners, hackneyed faces and famous headlands. He stands outside the surf shop with bare feet and a mottled brown poncho, singing a song about nature's power. He nods at me with soft recognition as I pass. It's been five years, but this is exactly how he has always been. Even if I am not, I suppose it's his job to not forget faces. The tourists drop coins at his toes. At the end of the lane lies an organic veg and zero waste store called Peels. I think it looks new, but I recall my leaving cert French teacher telling us that we should buy eco-deodorant there. Ah, it's been there for a while. A group of 18-year-old boys still struggling with acne in the passe composé. It was a tough sell at the time. I called her a hippie. I don't think I ever once went inside here. It was smaller then, tucked away in niche in that strange alley where people did odd things like yoga and meditate. I can't imagine how that was ever odd to me. Now it's busy. Popular. I pick out some local courgettes and tomatoes from the crates and notice the hum. A young mother and her son browsing oat milk brands while a well-dressed man discusses the merits of a particular Irish nut butter. Teenagers enter behind me. 14, 15-year-olds holding keep cups and laughing. I'm in awe. As I hover by the tofu, I watch the kids pick out palm oil-free soap and gluten-free vegetable crisps. One of the boys puts his arm around the other and rests his head on his shoulder. Nobody looks. Nobody says anything, and I am no longer certain that this is the place where I felt so scared to be me. What I wouldn't have given at that age to rest my head on the shoulder of another boy. The guy at the counter is cute. He's wearing a black t-shirt and a silver chain. He looks my age. He asks if I need a bag. Australian accent. Which explains his surfer vibe. I shake my head and start filling my rucksack. He asks if I'm interested in bread making. What a question. I tell him yes, impressed that he knew this about me. For a tiny moment it feels like there's a connection, like this is the start of something, like it's summer, like I'm single and the town is ready to finally embrace me and I smile. And I say, you must be a mind reader. He points to the yeast I've just bought. Oh, I'm a fool. Yeah, I make bread. I tap my card and try to hurry out the door before he sees me blush. It could never be so easy. Wait, he shouts. I turn and he's standing on the other side of the counter now, holding a flyer in his hand. I sheepishly take it and glance at the top. A candlelit evening of sourdough bread making and storytelling. The stable's yoga studio, 7pm. <laughs> I laugh at how on brand this is for this town. I've heard it's going to be great, the guy grins. Maybe I'll see you there. I want nothing more than to say yes. To believe that he is saying what I want him to be saying. I want to just go and not be afraid of anything. I want to dream a little, or dream a lot actually, and imagine that this could be something romantic. That we'd laugh and make bread together. Make cute but bad innuendos about rubbing it and waiting for it to rise. Then we'd huddle close as we listened to Irish stories, eventually letting our hands rest, touching. Then we'd end up cycling under the stars through the midnight town afterwards and kissed by the flowing riverbank. I want to dream about us meeting up over the summer, walking to the beach, getting oat milk lattes and talking about the future. 
I would buy him pastries before his shift at the shop and he would surprise me with tickets to local guitar gigs and surfing trips to Garrettstown. But I cannot get past the thought that things like this do not happen here. Not to a boy like me. You see, I know these streets. I have walked past each and every one of these buildings and by so many of these people. And I know that some things don't ever change, even with all the nicest coffee roasters in the world, with all the artisan greengrocers and hipster barbers selling IPAs, with all the bike racks and rainbow crossings and wellness clinics and kindness festivals, this will always be the place which broke my heart. Maybe, I say, and I leave. I wander back through the alley, they're finding the heat stifling. Felix is singing another song, this one about an old blind dog. <laughs> I don't ask if he actually writes these. The tune sounds suspiciously similar to an Adele song. Not you two, I whisper. Please don't change. As I cross the car park, the town shifts again, moving and folding to the pressures of the outside world. The banks of the stream broke a long time ago and we've done little to stop the flood, and maybe we shouldn't. Maybe this is good, it's everything I wanted this town to be, isn't it? It's got spots for coffee, spots for eating, for hanging out, for being yourself, it's got lines of colourful buildings, beautiful rows of trees, it looks exactly like a pretty town should. If I took a photo of here, and put it on my Instagram, my friends in cities like Dublin and London, would comment and say things like, how cute, and wish I was there. So why do I feel so sad about it? I am at the bike rack. The one by the credit union. But my bike is not where it used to be. I turn around out of confusion. Surely not. Surely not here. But the bike is gone. And it's not coming back. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to today's episode of Voice Notes, the new writing podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back with you on Friday with our interview episode, where I'll be talking with Kaya about all things writing, inspiration, technique, and what it is to grow up in a small town in the countryside. So check that out. That will be with you on Friday. And don't forget to check out any previous episodes that you've missed. We're available on all major podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe. It lets other people know that we exist, and that's beautiful. We can share the love. So do that and follow us on social media at MacTiris theatre and if you are a budding writer and you'd like to be featured on a future episode of voice notes then drop us an email you can find all information about this in the episode notes and we'd love to hear from you right that's all for now have a lovely rest of your week and see you soon thanks for listening to voice notes the new writing podcast